have your Bibles, uh, turn there. Uh, it, we have been slogging through wrath and judgment uh, since February 1st. Can you believe that? Uh, I know I can. Uh, we've had uh, 13 Sundays of seals and trumpets and bowls. And I guess before we go any further, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. You've hung in there with me. Uh, you've, you've actually encouraged me. Uh, there were some weeks where I'm thinking, I think I've had enough, and you've hung in there, and you've uh, let me know that you're hungry to grow. This is not easy stuff to preach, and I know it's not easy stuff to listen to either, but you've stayed with me, you've stayed uh, interested, and I just want you to know I'm proud of you. Well done, Walloon. Give yourself a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it. it this, is, this has been tough. Uh, but today we turn a corner. Today we get to see the hope of the church. Th this is what the church is looking forward to and has anticipated, which is the coming and the return of Jesus Christ, when he's going to come back to earth and make everything right. So this, this is the day in Revelation chapter 19 that God's word is full of talking about. Um, often this is called the day of the Lord. This is the day when he comes back and he's going to set everything right. And it's the most anticipa anticipated day in history for followers of Jesus Christ. And I just want to give you just a little review from the Old Testament and New, how often the day of the Lord the return of Jesus is talked about. It's found in Isaiah 3, 14, Isaiah 42, 13, Isaiah 59, 17 to 20, Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, Daniel 12, 1 to 3, Joel 1, 15, Joel 3, 9 to 16, Micah 4, 11 and 12, Zechariah 12, 3 to 9, Zechariah 14, 29. Anybody repeat those back for me? In the New Testament, just a, a sampling, Day of the Lord's found in Luke 17, 30, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. Today, we're going to go to a wedding. How many of you like weddings? Can I see hands? How many of you like? How many of you not so much? Okay, that's honest. I appreciate it. Uh, but, but this is kind of a cool wedding because this is the greatest wedding in all of history. This is the best, the greatest, the most glorious wedding in all of, of history, past, present, future. Uh, some of you have a heading in Revelation 19 in your Bibles that says the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we're going to go to the wedding, and then right after the wedding, the bridegroom takes his bride on the wildest honeymoon imaginable. Think about it. You're going on a Caribbean cruise? No. Uh, you're going to go to Jamaica? Uh, no. You're going to go to Niagara Falls? No. You're going to go to Disney World? No. You're going to go to Hawaii? No. Come with me, my bride. We are going to Armageddon. That's where the honeymoon is going to take place. And, and We'll, we'll see that in just a bit, but that's where he takes 
his bride right, right uh, after the wedding. So uh, if you're able, please stand with me. We're going to read out loud about the reception and the wedding and the rehearsal dinner. Uh, it's, it's all of those. Uh, verses 1 to 10 of Revelation 19, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish up the entire chapter. You ready? Let's declare God's word out loud. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute, corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, <laughs> that we get to study today the most anticipated day in church history. This is the day that we look forward to. And we can't wait for this day to come our way. Lord, uh, thank you that each and every person here today in your church at Walloon who knows your son personally as Savior and Lord, thank you that we get to be eyewitnesses of what we just read about. And it's going to be powerful. And it's going to be exciting. And it's going to be loud and emotional. And Lord, uh, it's going to be the best day ever. So uh, with anticipation and hope and confidence, we look forward to what's coming our way. Help us, Lord, to understand exactly what it was that you inspired John to write down. Help us, Lord, to uh, understand how it relates to us, how it affects our, uh, our daily lives, 2015. Show us, Lord. Illuminate our hearts and our minds. We need, we need to hear from you today. 
pray for those who are struggling this Sunday morning. Pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who are, are overwhelmed. I, I pray for those who are confused and in the middle of a storm. Lord, uh, I pray that your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your love, your comfort, all the good stuff you've got would rain down on their lives, even right now. Lord, thank you that we have a family, the body of Christ, your church in Walloon. Thank you for brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to love and encourage and be there for one another in our times of need. May Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, may Jesus be lifted high today in his church. And all the church gathered at Walloon said in response, you may be seated. The only place in the New Testament where the word Alleluia is used is here in Revelation 19. Isn't that interesting? Only place in the New Testament used four times, verse 1, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6. Only place, New Testament, right here, Revelation 19. It's uh, also found uh, in Psalms, between Psalm 104 and Psalm 150, it's used 23 times. But only in Psalms and only here in Revelation 19 is the word Alleluia used. Interesting, uh, it's one word that whether you're in Derryville, Haiti, and sitting with the sister church there, or if you're in a Chinese church, or if you're in a Russian church, or if we head to South America in Brazil in a Brazilian church, no matter where you go in the world, the word Alleluia is the same. It's kind of cool. It's just, it's just one of those words that, that it crosses languages. It crosses all the, the barriers, and it's the same throughout the world. Now, let's talk about Alleluia. This is the party in heaven before the wedding. This is the, the rehearsal party, the rehearsal dinner, and the great multitudes in heaven are fired up, okay? Uh, Alleluia is the victory chant of God's people. Uh, Alleluia literally means our Savior, Jesus Christ, is supreme and he is victorious. Alleluia. Uh, praise his name. Uh, it's more than just praise the Lord. It's praise the Lord because we're winning and we're on the winning team. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it's praise the Lord, but because the Lord, our God, our Savior, is supreme and on the throne and he wins. He keeps all of his promises. He's going to set everything right. Verse 1, look at it. Alleluia. And it says it's so loud, it sounds like a great roar. And they are shouting, Alleluia. If you slide down to verse 6, this is how loud it is. John writes, it sounds like thunder booming in a fierce storm. 
had any of those storms yet this spring near your house? We have here in Walloon. I was pretty sure one of them uh, touched a tree out, out near our, our, our house. And when lightning comes and strikes very close by, what's following really quick? Anybody? Boom! And it shakes the house. And the dogs bark. And the babies cry. And I recall recently it hit so hard that car alarms went off. Uh, cars thought somebody was breaking in when it was shaking. Again, that's how loud the crowd is in heaven, and they are excited, and they are pumped, and there's lots of emotion. Look at verse 1. Here we go. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, shouting, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He's condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He's avenged on her the blood of his servants. <laughs> They're shouting, why? Because they've just watched Revelation 17 and 18. Now, we were there a few weeks ago. Uh, the Lord has brought judgment on the my way people. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, there was that Babylonian spirit, that Satan's system that has fallen and crashed. And we looked at that, Revelation 17, Revelation 18. It says, the Lord has avenged, verse 2, the blood of his servants who were martyred, who were slaughtered in the tribulation. The Lord has brought retribution. The Lord has brought vengeance. Romans 12, 19, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Um, that's the day of payback uh, for all who lie and cheat and steal and rape and abuse and murder. They get what's coming to them. The Lord's going to make right all that they've done. And that's what has happened, and there's, there's glory and praise in heaven as a result. Verse 3. And again, <laughs> they shouted, Alleluia! The, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Verse 4. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fall down and worship God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, both great and small. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder. What are they shouting? Got our word again. Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Do you know they keep getting louder? Verse 3, and they keep getting louder. Jesus, you are victorious, you are supreme, you are the exalted one. And it says the smoke, that's the punishment of the wicked, will continue forever and ever. Now the 24 elders and the four living creatures, we haven't seen since back in Revelation chapter 4. So it's been a while. Matter of fact, it was before Christmas that we looked at uh, Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. But if you go back there, 
the 24 elders and the four living creatures, Revelation 4.10, Revelation 5.14. Every time they get excited, what, what are the four living creatures and the 24? What do they constantly do? Anybody? They fall down on their face before the Lord Jesus on the throne. That, that seems to be their responsibility in heaven is just to keep falling on their face. And as you look at verse 4 here, nothing changes for them. They're, they're still falling down and worshiping, and they cry, Amen. Alleluia. Verse 5, then a voice, I think likely an angel, says, Everybody, everybody praise our God, all followers of Jesus. All of you who fear and follow the Lord, both great, look at verse 5, and small. You know, there, there is no distinctions in heaven. There, there's no titles. There's no economic. There's no racial distinctions. There's no uh, male or female. We're all there, and the ground is level at the cross. Isn't that good? We're, we're all going to be unified in worship. Everybody who loves Jesus, it, it's, we're all unified as one, worshiping Jesus together. Verse 6, loud rushing water. How many of you ha have been to Horseshoe Falls in Niagara? Uh, anybody? It's on the Canadian side? Yeah. And, and if you're able to go down, they kind of like cut a cave down, dug in, and, and you're like right here, and they even give you a poncho. Why do they give you a poncho? Because <coughs> of the mist, I'm just telling you. Or if you ride the Maid of the Mist, it's even more so. Um, I'm telling you, you're getting wet. But here's the, the amazing thing, and every time I go there, I'm reminded, it's loud. And if you want to talk, you have to shout. You're like right next to each other shouting. It's so loud, the rushing of the water over the waterfalls there. Look at verse 6. That, that's what he's saying. It's so loud, it sounds like Niagara Falls. And, and they're shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Four times now. Verse 6 is the last one. Uh, loud, enthusiastic, excited. And I think it'd be wrong not to give you a practice run, don't you think? Because we need to practice a little because we're going to be here. If you're a follower of Jesus, you better get going on your hallelujahs, okay? And, and here we go. So I want you to repeat after me. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. There's excitement and enthusiasm. You ready to go to the wedding now? Here we go, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad. <coughs> Excuse me, and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made himself, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Okay, let's pause for a moment. The Lamb is also the bridegroom. Interesting, isn't it? The Lamb is the bridegroom, and his name is, anybody, anybody? Jesus Christ is the groom. 
And who is the bride? Let me give you a couple of verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.2. I'm jealous for you, Paul writes to the church, with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. One more. Ephesians 5.25-27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy by the washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, Paul writes, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So who is the bride in this scenario? It is the, the church, the church. Followers of Jesus, New Testament age, all who have believed in Jesus and the cross, turned from their sins, received him as Savior and Lord, that is the bride. Um, verse 8, and how is the bride pictured? What is she wearing in verse 8? It says she's wearing what? Dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. Um, how many of you as sinners deserve to be dressed in fine, clean linen? And the answer is, how many of us deserve that? Uh, none of us. But this is grace, and the Lord dresses us, but he's dressed us in righteous acts that, this is interesting, we perform. Whoa, Pastor Jeff, I thought it was by grace we're saved by faith, not by works so that nobody can boast. Uh, that's true. Uh, but if you keep going in that same section, Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which are prepared in advance for us to do. So track with me for a moment. Salvation is a free gift, not by works. But once I receive that free gift by grace from Jesus Christ because of the cross, now we are expected to perform good works unto Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So uh, the good works don't bring salvation. The good works are a result of being a follower of Jesus Christ. You and I are commanded to get connected with Jesus, full of his Holy Spirit, and now get busy working in his kingdom and in his church. Um, we get another beatitude. Go back. Uh, verse 9. Um, beatitude number 4 in Revelation. There's beatitudes not just in Matthew, but here. It says, blessed are those who get invited to the hottest ticket in the universe. It doesn't exactly say that, but that kind of is what it means. Blessed are those who get the invitation to come to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Okay? Anybody who gets this, this invitation, um, that's a good one to get. Um, ever wish that somebody would invite you to something and they didn't ask you? Anybody ever had that happen? You wanted to go somewhere? Okay. Is it just me? Are you going to leave me alone? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I, I can't wait till this day. Okay? It's going to be awesome. But I want you to understand, you can't wait till this day to say, oh, please, can I come? 
on this day in Revelation 19, it's too late to secure your invitation. But I have great news. You ready? This is a great day because today it's not too late to secure your invitation. Because when, when it gets to this point, it, it's too late. I'm sorry, you should have asked when you were walking on earth, when you were breathing breath, you should have said yes. So in order to get invited to this wedding, what needs to happen? John 1.12, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I've got really great news, you ready? It's not too late today to get invited to this wedding. This is going to be the greatest place, the greatest wedding, the greatest event in history. You want to be there, and it's not too late. What do you got to do? You need to receive Jesus and believe what he did for you on the cross. Do the U-turn, run to him, and invite him to be your Savior and Lord. That is what secures you the ticket to this wedding. Now, verse 10, um, I think if I was John, I would have been tempted to leave out. Uh, John wrote this down, and John writes now, verse 10, um, his mistake. He blows it here uh, in, in a pretty big way. So let's read it, and uh, let's see that he doesn't cover up his mistake. Uh, at this, John says, I fell at his feet. That's the angel's feet to worship him. But the angel said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and your sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it's the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Now, I think John was so excited about the wedding and he's so overcome with emotion that he begins to worship the messenger, the angel. He, he's so excited about everything he sees and he, he starts worshiping the angel that's giving John this message to record. And notice verse 10, the angel says, what are you doing? Get up, get up, don't worship me. I like what he says, verse 10, I'm a fellow servant. Um, I hold to the testimony of Jesus just like you do. I'm a follower of Jesus just like you. And then he talks about prophecy. Here's what you need to understand. What is he saying? All prophecy, which is the recorded word of God, declared word of God, points Old Testament and New to one person. Who does both the Old Testament and New Testament point to? Jesus Christ. He says, hey, Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Now, Revelation 19, 1 to 10, that's the reception and the wedding in heaven. Uh, you ready for the wildest honeymoon ever? I mean, this is one crazy honeymoon. Um, but it's kind of cool because the bridegroom, Jesus, is going to take his bride, and they're going to go horseback riding. Okay? How many of you like to ride horses? Yeah. Okay? Just me? Anybody over here like horses? Okay, here we go. We're going to go horseback riding real quick. Verse 11, I, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. It's amazing how many pages commentators spend speculating on what the name is that no one knows but Jesus. It's, it's almost funny. It's like, really? You're going you're to spend page after page guessing the name that Jesus says nobody knows but me? Uh, he's dressed in a robe, verse 13, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. White horse, reserved for kings and generals in this day. White horse, a symbol of victory. Jesus is called faithful and true. Everything you're about, Jesus, everything you say, everything you do is right and true and faithful. You're 100% correct in everything you do, is, is what they're saying. In verse 12, uh, just like as in Revelation 1.14, Jesus' eyes are blazing with fire. Fierce, intense, piercing. Jesus misses nothing. And why does he have multiple crowns now? Because every king who thinks they have authority, Jesus has taken all the authority. And right now, he is the king and the Lord, and all the authority on planet Earth is his as he rides on his white horse. And he's got that secret name that nobody knows, but I'm going to guess that when we find out what the secret name is, are you ready? Here, here's my guess. Are you ready? I think we're going to really like his secret name. I don't know what it is, but I think we're going to say, that is a good name. That's a great one. Good, good going. You kept it secret from us, but I see why now. Good name. Verse 13. Dressed in a robe dipped in blood. I think that's the blood of Christ from the cross. Why? Because it's the blood of Christ that qualifies him to come now and take control of planet Earth. Remember? That seal was the title deed of planet Earth. Now he's coming to take possession of planet Earth. Last part of verse 13. His name is what? His name is the... His name is the... Okay, about 20% of you got it. His name is the... Word of God. John 1.1. 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14. The Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the exact expression of God Almighty. Just as words say and express our thoughts, Jesus perfectly expresses in every way God Almighty, God the Father. Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Deep thought, but it's true. If you see Jesus... You've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Okay. Ready for the honeymoon? Here we go. Verse 14. Um, this is us. The armies of heaven, uh, that's Old Testament saints. Um, that's the church, New Testament saints. That's the angels. The armies of heaven were following him. Jesus on the right throne on the white horse. And we were 
riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Did you notice? We get to ride horses. Yeah? You know, we're on the honeymoon, and now we're, we're united with Jesus for all of eternity, and we're dressed in camouflage, right? And, and we're ready for war. Um, how are we dressed? What does it say again? White. Really? Really? Fine linen, white and clean? Um, uh, ever seen an army headed for battle in all white uniforms? Anybody? Well, of course not, because they'd be filthy like in a New York minute. Um, but why is it then we're going to be dressed in a white uniform? Are you ready? Because we're not there to fight. There's only one going to do some fighting. His name is Jesus. We're there to be witnesses. We got like a front row seat. Make sense? So we can be in white because we're not going to fight. He's going to fight. Jesus is going to do all the fighting, and we get to sit there and watch. Uh, verse 15, and how does Jesus fight the armies of the world? Here we go. Coming out of Jesus' mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He tresses, treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Out of Jesus' mouth is coming a sword. Out of Jesus' mouth is coming his words. The words coming out of Jesus' mouth are what wins the battle. How do you know that? Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. Uh, that's the power of God. It's his words. Jesus speaks, and the enemies fall down dead. Got that? Uh, it's 2 Thessalonians 2.8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, destroyed by the splendor of his coming. Jesus doesn't need missiles or bombs or tanks or swords or grenades or rifles or fighter jets. How did Jesus create the world. He did what? He spoke. And now when he's fighting the armies of the Antichrist, how is he going to defeat them? With his word. With his words. And as he spoke the universe into existence, he will breathe words and they are obliterated, wiped out, destroyed. Third verse of Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is our God. You got that, Ray? Uh, you, want, you want to sing with me a little bit? Well, we don't usually sing right in the middle, but I, I just want to show you, you, I think most of you know this song. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. This is the part we're looking at. 
one little word shall fail him. Did you know that's where this comes from? One little word, boom, and they all fall down. And in his victory name, verse 16, King of kings, Lord of lords, just want you to know you and Jesus are always a majority. If one little word out of the mouth of Jesus wipes out all of the armies of the Antichrist and the false prophet, you know the safest place for us? Just walk close to Jesus. Stay connected. Um, then we get an angel. I call him the bird whisperer. Um, this angel has a special way with all the birdies of the world, verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come, gather today for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. The birds are commanded to gather for a great feast on the menu of this great feast are all the members of the My Way Army. And God is no respecter of persons. Um, all kings, generals, soldiers, horses, riders, free, slaves, small, great, all become bird food. Um, if you go back to verse 9, hold your spot, go back to 19.9. The church, the bride of Christ, we just were invited to the wedding reception, the glorious banquet of heaven and now the great armies of the antichrist they are the banquet for the birds and the vultures of this world so two groups of people those who dine with jesus and ride with the winner those who follow the antichrist and the false prophet and they are on the menu and they are dinner uh, notice who Jesus targets first, verse 19. Then I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. Got that? All of Satan's army, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're gathered. Uh, verse 20, but the beast, the Antichrist, is captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf with this, these signs, he deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were captured and thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So the first thing Jesus does is, um, you two, lake of fire. And now they are captured and they are the first inhabitants of the lake of fire. Can you imagine watching your leaders, Antichrist, false prophet, picked up, dropped in the lake of fire and now you're sitting there and you've got your pea shooter and your squirt gun and your bb gun now and you're gonna make war with jesus and now my leaders are just deposed and now that's exactly I, i'm sure their eyes are wide open oh snap we are in deep trouble verse 21 the rest were killed with the words with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, Jesus. And all the birdies gorged themselves on their flesh. The words from Jesus speak, and the armies are wiped out. Not one member of the My Way army is left alive. 
and the birds swoop in for the meal of a lifetime. And I just personally want you to know, I, I think that uh, this event, Revelation 19, I personally don't think it's that far away. Our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, will rise up over his enemies in victory and vindication. And again, if I'm correct, this, this, this isn't very far down the road. Hallelujah. Would you say it with me? Hallelujah. One more time. Hallelujah. Maranatha, Jesus, come soon. Come soon. We can't wait to see you in glory, in splendor, in victory, in supremacy. Let's pray. Lord, we pause now because... Uh, this, this chapter we just worked through is awesome. And we use that word carefully, but th this is awesome. And we can't wait, Lord, for you to come and uh, get us ready for the wedding and putting on the clean clothes that you enabled us to, uh, to wear because of the good works you did through us. Lord, we're grateful that we don't have to seek revenge because on this day, you're going to right all the wrongs. You're going to set everything right. Lord, if there's anybody here today who hasn't yet secured an invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb, might they know today is a great day. <laughs> it's a great day because today is not too late for them to receive your son Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's not too late right now for them to believe in what you did for them on the cross, shedding your blood, taking their place in the tomb, arising from the dead, defeating sin and Satan and death for them, and by faith, inviting Jesus to be Savior and Lord. Lord, thank you that that's a free invitation. Lord, if anybody's name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, would you knock loud? Open eyes, open minds, open ears. And thank you, Lord, as your church, that we can sing Alleluia corporately together. Thank you that uh, you are the supreme, victorious, awesome God. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's a privilege to praise you right now as we close in song. Would you stand?